Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 251 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. Today, we'll discuss the ITTF Latin America Olympic Qualification Tournament. We'll talk about our new headshot video, and in the questions, we'll discuss two winged loopers getting better at tracking the ball, why the forehand shouldn't pass your middle line, and how to teach your dad to play table tennis. I'm Jeff Plump, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yeah, Jeff, we are back. We are back, yes. Um, what happened to your exciting job at the ABS, Australian uh, Bureau of Statistics? Jeffrey, I think quite a few people were onto us that uh, we did announce that on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day. So, uh, yeah, I think we were found out in. Um, in uh, large proportion. Indeed. Yeah. No, you know, no I thought it was funny. You know, you hated my numbers segment. You got a job crunching numbers at the ABS. I yeah. liked it. Yeah, no, I'd never do that. Never do that. <laughs> Working with numbers. Come on. And, you know, as someone pointed out on the Facebook, you do have an accounting degree, Alois. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Might have finally been able to put that into use, hey? <laughs> Indeed. Well, all right. It's no longer April Fool's, Alloys. And so let's talk about some serious stuff. The Latin America Olympic Qualifications Tournament. Big deal yeah. here. Chance for people to qualify for Rio. What happened? Yes. So, uh, yeah, some, some interesting results. Um, so th- as far as I can gather, so they had, they had three knockout events. So in the first knockout event, so you got two halves, a red half and a blue half. The winner of both those halves get the first two spots. So basically, it was two different events, really. Um, and in the men's, uh, Jorge Campos from Cuba and Andy Pereira, also from Cuba, both uh, got their got their spots in the first knockout. In the women's, it was Adriana Diaz, very, the 15-year-old um, player from Puerto Rico, and Lady Ruano from Colombia. So took their two spots. Then they have a second lot of knockout events. So those two players that are qualified, they're they're already through. Um, then everyone else goes into another knockout event. Um, but the, the in the men's, because there were two um, Cubans already through, all the other Cubans can't play because you can only have two players. So anyway, so Marcos Madrid from Mexico and Brian Affendor from Puerto Rico got through in the second round of the men's. And in the women's, the two Brazilians, Caroline Kumahara and Gui Lin, um, got through. And then in the third knockout event, so again, those two players are then through and everyone else plays a knockout. Um, in the third, uh, Suboy from Brazil got through in the men's. And in the women's, it hasn't got the result yet between Yadira Silva from Mexico and Arvalo from Venezuela. So I'm not sure what's happening with that result there. Maybe it's still in progress. Wow, very exciting. And some of these Olympic qualifications, the systems are quite complicated, but I guess they end up being quite fair for the players. So um, complicated systems, but good results. Yeah, interesting that they've got different um, systems in, in the different continents. Yeah, exactly. But um, I suppose it, it, uh, it just um, caters for the particular continent. Yeah, I know Europe... Um, is completely different again. So there are different regions in Europe. So each region plays one uh, one event and one player from each region goes through and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, um, everything's different. So, um, yeah, so 
basically another 10 players now qualified through um, through the Latin American uh, qualification tournament. So Europe and Asia coming up, they're, they're the biggies for me. Absolutely. Well, well done to all those players. And, yeah, we look forward to um, the rest of the regions coming on board and qualifying for Rio. All right. Now, Alois, the last Pink Skillers question of the day was, should edge balls and net balls be considered out? And this is quite a popular question. Yes, we did get quite a lot of responses there, Jeff. And um, so I'll run through a few of them. So Mentor said the rules are the same for both players, so no. Um, Thad, no. Both net and, net balls and edge balls make the game more exciting. Um, Manuel said no. Only the players with slow reaction cry about such balls. I like it. Mm, interesting. Um so Michelle Ray, so she, Michelle's someone that I played juniors with a long, long time ago, said, no, I would never win a game. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> um, um, Matt Massey said, most sports have an element of luck and there is nothing like playing a good recovering shot from a net or edge. And Dana, Dana, always a, a good contributor, said, not at all. The net and edge of the table are there for a reason, to define the playing areas. Then he quotes the great Andre Agassi. He said, once stated, the lines are there for a reason for me to try and hit them. Same principle. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, t- I tend to agree, uh, Jeff. I think... Um, it's it's good just to continue the way we are. The only one I would perhaps consider is the netball, um, because um, yeah, that uh, on the yeah on the serve um, or on the near, but but not really. I mean, you know, it it just adds another element of of the umpire having to make a call. You know, did it actually clip the net? Did it not? And definitely not the edge ball. You know, because players are so uh, delusional sometimes about when the balls hit the edge of their table, you know, um, as far as, um, you know, has it bounced properly? Did it really bounce on the edge or was it just really deep and on the line? So uh, I think it'd just add to, uh, add to the problems. Keep it the way it is for me, Jeff. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. The edge balls, if you, if an edge was out, everyone would be claiming that it hit the edge every time they missed the ball. I reckon that would be really bad. What were you saying about the net ball on the serve? You think, they shouldn't have lets or... Yeah, maybe that's that's a rule you can look at. Um, so you could look at, you know, if it, if it is a let, you just play on. I, I, I was talking to someone the other day who's playing um, fast four tennis. And uh, in fast four tennis, they've eliminated the lets. So if the ball um, hits the net and goes in, it's play on, basically. Um, so that's not a bad one. I don't mind that as an yeah, idea. Yeah, I don't mind that because, like, in the rest of the game, the... Anytime he's the net, it's play on. So why not on the serve? Yeah, yeah. interesting one. Yeah, but very uh, but good. All right, and thanks. Every- yeah, yeah, but but not if the ball clips the net and goes over. It's out because again, did it actually clip the net? You know who knows. Oh, exactly. All right. Well, thanks everyone for your thoughts. Today's Pink Seals question of the day is: What is your favourite serve to use at match point? So jump onto our Facebook page or the Ping Skills blog and let us know what your favourite serve to use at match point. All right. Um, Alois, it's time for everyone's favourite segment, This Day in History, What Happened on the 4th of April? Uh, Yeah. Um, It mightn't be... Well, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. was born, 1965. That's good. No. People like that. I know you don't watch movies much, Alice, but 
a lot of people would find that interesting. Yeah, well, I, I know all about him. He starred in Charlie Chaplin, Iron Man, and The Avengers. Exactly. My son yeah. loves him, Iron Man. Oh, there you go. See? Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Um, and also Heath Ledger was born in 1979. So he was he starred in Brokeback Mountain and The Dark Knight, Jeff. He did, yes. And... Yes, sad story, Heath Ledger, but anyway, let's keep it positive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, died in 2008. Exactly. Poor old Heath um, and the Dark Knight. Uh, All right, Alois, good segment. (laughs) Thanks. I thought so. All right. Now, we released a video recently called the Headshot Video, Alois, and it's got quite a bit of discussion, and there's some kind of rumour going around well, let me explain. We put a cone on top of our heads and then you tried to knock it off and then I went and had a go. And there's some kind of rumour that you weren't really aiming for the cone but you were aiming for my face. Is this true? Uh, Jeff, Jeff, come on. I was dead set aiming at that cone and getting frustrated that I couldn't hit the cone. Hitting you in the face um, was just pure accident and um yeah no i don't know where those rumors would have come from jeff okay all right good 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 um but yeah if you haven't seen it yet it's on our blog take a look um people seem to be enjoying watching alloys smash me really hard in the face with the ball i don't know why no i think i think it was terrible jeff i do apologize most sincerely (laughs) thank you very much all right Now, another interesting thing that is happening in just two days' time on April the 6th, Alloys, is World Table Tennis Day. This is a good initiative from the ITTF. Yeah, it is. And, um, yeah, so if you aren't um, already organising something, try and organise something for World Table Tennis Day. You've only got a couple of days to to do it. I know... um, talking to Roger Massey down in Tassie and they're organising an event down there. They're, uh, they're having an international tournament. So what they're doing is, um, depending on where you originated from, so you represent that team in a, in a table tennis uh, tournament. So that's, that's, that's uh, a good initiative and something interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a good initiative just to um, expose table tennis a little bit more and to highlight the, the beautiful game that it is. So international... Table Tennis Day, April the 6th. Get onto it. Um, you can get onto the ITTF and um, uh, have a look at uh, ways that you can get involved there too. Absolutely, yep. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes where you can find out some more information about World Table Tennis Day. All right, Alloys, it is time for the questions. Uh, are you ready to give some really good advice here to all our listeners? Certainly am. As usual, Jeffrey. Excellent. First up is a question from Ilya who says, among two-winged loopers, some players are more forehand-oriented and pivot a lot more, and some are more backhand-oriented. How can one find its own style to follow? Yeah, so for me, it's it's really about finding that line of where you're going to uh, switch between your forehand and backhand. And for everyone, it'll be a little bit different. So... For some players, that line might be over here where you're going to play forehands and then you're only going to play backhands in this um, smaller section. Other players, is going to be 50-50. And some players might even 
um, play a little bit more than 50% with their backhand and less with their forehand. So um, it's, it's really about you finding your own position at the table there and trying to work out um, where it's best for you. If you've got a stronger forehand, then you're going to play more than 50% with your forehand. If you've got a stronger backhand, you're going to play more than 50% with your backhand. But it's just establishing that line um, more within your body as to where you're going to switch to play forehands and where you're going to switch to play backhands. Yeah, it's a good question because in the past, I think players have tended to be more, the majority of players, more forehand oriented. And if you're going to pivot a lot, you're going to need good footwork. So like Zhu Zin, for example, he can cover almost anything with his forehand. He's incredible. But the game's getting faster and the other Chinese players seem to be able to expose him a little bit and get to his backhand. So having a stronger backhand is important. So, yeah, so when picking your own style, if you are a forehand-oriented player, should you still, like, try and develop your backhand a bit more? Yeah, I definitely should be developing your backhand. If you've got no backhand, then you just can't survive today. So you need to just expand your backhand and, and, you know, at least be playing backhands in 30 to 40% of the table. Um, If you're trying to play 80% or 90% forehands, um, like Zhu Zin, you have to have incredible footwork like Zhu Zin has. So, yeah, so I'd encourage you to to just expand your backhand a bit, you know, playing, you know, 40% at least um, of the table Mm. with your backhand. Excellent. All right. Well, good question, Ilya, and hopefully that helps you out. Next up is a question from Sebastian. He says, I have a question of technique when playing random drills. How should I move my racket and position myself when I don't know if the next shot will be a forehand or a backhand? I mostly have a problem playing a backhand after a forehand. Okay, so this one, this one's interesting as well. So it's important that you follow the flow of what's happening in the rally. So after you play your shot, watch where the ball is and where the ball's going. And also you will, you will peripherally, you'll see what your opponent's doing and you will just move to that next ball. So you don't definitely don't do this and then come back to a, um, a neutral position. You just haven't got time in table tennis to be doing this and neutral, this, and neutral. So it's, you play your shot, you're watching the ball, and then naturally, wherever that ball's coming, you'd flow into the next shot. So there, and then you flow into the next shot. So um, the the important trigger here is being able to watch the ball properly. If you watch the ball carefully, then you can give yourself the best opportunity to see where that ball's going and what's happening next. Um, so it needs to be a flowing, flowing motion. Uh, yeah, that's good, Alois. And we've got a video specifically on this topic. It's called Improving Your Reflexes, which is related to, to this question. And it, it covers exactly what you've been talking about. Watching the ball is important, but also how you can flow into that next shot. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Sebastian and anyone else who's interested in improving in this area, make sure you check out this video called Improving Your Reflexes. Yeah, so Sebastian, you talked about, um, you know, you have a problem moving from your forehand to your backhand, and that often occurs because you're too turned um, or turned too much towards your forehand side. If you turn to your forehand side and the ball's there, then you're not actually um, tracking where the ball is. 
So the ball's there. If they play it to your backhand side, then it's always going to be difficult. So if the ball's here, here's the ball. If the ball's here, okay, your chest shouldn't be facing over there. It should be facing the ball. So that then if the ball does come to your backhand, you can play it. If it comes to your forehand, you can play it. So so just be just be aware of that. Just making sure that you're facing facing the ball um, and not turning too much to your forehand side. Yeah, great tips. Great tips. And good question, Sebastian. And it's excellent to see you training those random drills because once you've built up your consistency, those random drills are really going to help you improve because they're more match-like. So well done, Sebastian. All right, next question is from Bavesh. He says, I've seen the lessons and many times you mentioned the forehand toxin stroke shouldn't go past the middle line of the body. Unfortunately, I'm habituated to go past the middle line of the body in almost every forehand stroke. So can you help Bavesh here, Alois? Yeah, so Bavesh, uh, so the reason we, we tell you um, that this is not as effective is because now you're in an unbalanced position, okay? So you're here. If you're um, finishing at the midline, you're balanced, and again, you can flow back to this position or this position. If your bat goes all the way to here, coming back to the next forehand is a lot further distance. From here, then you can flow to the backhand or to the forehand. So that's why it's really important that you do just finish at that midline. If you're playing a bigger stroke, you can rotate further. So you, your bat's still not going past your midline, but it's also easier to ro to rotate back because you can utilize your waist um, to get back. So, yeah, that's why we tell you that that's important. How do you change it? You've just got to put a lot of attention onto it. So pr just practice some forehand topspin to, to block for a while. And the only thing that I want you to focus on is where your bat's finishing. Forget about where the ball's going. Forget about um, if, even if you miss the ball. I just want you to focus on where that bat is finishing and just make sure that um, that you can always see the ball. If you can always see the ball, then um, you're probably going to be finishing in the right spot. If you're not seeing the ball at some stage, so here my bat's going across the line of the ball, okay, then... Uh, that's no good. So, yeah, so just put a lot of attention on that during your practice for a week or two and see if you can change it. Yeah, it is interesting, Alice, because often you see people trying to learn the forehand and you can sort of get a quicker movement if you sort of just come across your body, but it's really, it doesn't give you a consistent stroke either. And if you watch all the top players, they've just got beautiful consistency by just not crossing past the forehand line. It's really an important point to get right. Yeah, and I think especially if you come from a tennis background, you know, in tennis, um, the players do um, really wrap their uh, rackets right across their body. But again, they've got just that little bit more time uh, to be able to recover. In table tennis, you just haven't got time to, to recover from there all the way back to here consistently. Indeed. All right. Thanks, Bavesh, for that good question. Next up is one from Timmy who says, Hey, I'm trying to teach my dad how to play table tennis and I don't really know any good way on how to teach him how to hit a basic backhand or basic forehand. He's a beginner. Do you know any exercises that I can use to teach my dad? Yes. So, Timmy, um, start by 
keeping it really basic. So the first thing I would do, I'd show him um, the videos on the forehand counter hit and the backhand counter hit in our strokes and techniques section. So if, if he sees that, um, then he'll get an image of what the forehand and backhand need to look like. Um, either that or you can show him um, what, we're, what we're showing you in those videos. Then it's a real matter of getting him to focus on the start position and the finish position of those two strokes. Then how do you get him to practice it? Probably the easiest way to start with is if you just get a ball in your hand and bounce the ball on both sides. So like you're doing a serve, but without the bat. So you're bouncing it on your side and on his side of the table. That gives him a bit of time. And just get him to play one hit, you catch it and do it again. So that gives him plenty of time in between shots to make sure that he's doing the stroke um, correctly. Um, so then once once he does uh, get that stroke correct, then you might um, you know bounce one and then hit the next one back for him so he can do two or three in a row. So so there, that's a that's a good simple way to start off uh, when you're teaching someone how to play um, those basic strokes of forehands and backhands. Yeah, that's good. And then you can build on that really quickly as he develops and you can start doing, you know, forehand to forehand rallies and counting how many you can get on in a row and just keep building on the skill. Um, yeah, that, that sounds really good. It's great. You're getting your dad involved. I, I think it's wonderful. Absolutely. Good work. Excellent. All right, Alois. Well, that wraps up another big show. Luckily, we've still got your services um, and you're not actually going to the Australian Bureau of Statistics and doing the number crunching. So thanks for joining us again. And we look forward to a lot more good shows, Alois. Yes, no number crunching for me, Jeff. <laughs> Indeed. Now, unfortunately, though, we are going to take a bit of a break because Alois has got some coaching commitments. This is not an April Fool's Day joke. And um, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I've got to take my son um, to some football camps. He loves football, Australian rules football. Um, so I think we'll be back on Friday, Alois. Um, so everyone, enjoy Thursday. your week of table tennis. Um, Thursday. Hope- Thursday, maybe? Thursday, maybe. Maybe Thursday. Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Good one. Okay. One of those. All right. We'll let one you know. Days. Yeah, we'll let you know. <laughs> All right. So thanks, everyone, for watching. Make sure to visit pingskills.com and... Once again, thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeffrey, and we'll see you. I think I think you're right. I think it's Friday. Who knows? Friday. See you Friday. Bye. Bye.